On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Let the postmortem begin. Oh boy, what a odd, just weird feeling today, right? The season ends yesterday. They were already eliminated, which already in itself is an odd sentence to say. But the Brewers don't have anything to look forward to tomorrow with the playoffs starting. They don't have a rooting interest. You know, your rival, the Cardinals, they're playing tomorrow. The team you made a controversial trade with, the Padres, they're playing tomorrow. It's, It's an odd feeling right now. But I'm not going to join in on the pity party of saying fire everybody. Uh, I've seen it on social media of people complaining about uh, ownership or front office or managing or players. Like, look, mistakes were made, lack of execution. And David Stearns was on Brewers 360 this morning, and I really was intrigued by a lot of his comments this morning because he owned it. And that's all you could really ask, right? And the Josh Hader trade... It's easy to say it's a failure two months later, you know, as we look at it right now. Denelson Lamette was DFA'd as soon as he was acquired. Taylor Rogers had a really rough September, and he's about to be a free agent, so he's probably not coming back. Then the two prospects, a lot is on their shoulders between Robert Gasser and Este Uri Ruiz. Bruce trying to figure out what they have with those two guys. But I want to play this clip from earlier today on Brewers 360 this morning, of David Stern just kind of understanding there is no such thing as do-overs, and he's not afraid to admit he made a mistake. There's no question about it. Probably a larger impact than I was anticipating when we made the, when we made the trade. We also, uh, frankly, should have figured out a way, and I should have done a better job uh, to help us get through that. And we didn't. Um, and we'll learn from it, and we'll move forward. That's all you can really do, right? Just take it on the chin. Try to find a way to be better. How do you react to hearing that statement? 855-616-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talking Text Line. 855-616-1620. We're also going to go over awards in this show. American League MVP, National League, you know, yada, yada, all that fun stuff. The Baseball Riders Association. Because, reminder, the voting is done today. Ballots have to be in by the end of the day today. Playoffs have nothing to do with award season for Major League Baseball. So I want to hear, as we get into the award segment a little bit later on, we're going to talk about my AL MVP, my NL Cy Young, all that fun stuff. We're going to go through that a little bit later. Um, We're going to talk about your reaction to these David Stern's quotes, owning it, understanding that it impacted the clubhouse further than he imagined. But he also, he didn't stop there. About second-guessing things. It's, It's not easy to be a general manager. I do not envy that position in the slightest. And as much of a winning streak, if you will, of trades that he had been on, to finally have one go against you, or at least what you were anticipating, it happens. And uh, sometimes you just you just kind of wear it, right? And this is what he said uh, uh, a little bit earlier today about that. Oh, hang on one second. We're going to play that again later on here in the show. Something weird happened here, but don't worry about it. We'll fix it. David Stearns basically was owning the fact that, look, I made a mistake. I, I appreciate that. I hope fans do too because it's honesty. And in this world of cliches and fluff and disagreement and hot takes, to have a guy 
this morning on the flagship, own it. So yeah, it's easy to second guess it. Talking about the clubhouse impact, talking about what happened to the Brewers and everything like that. And he felt he didn't make his team better down the stretch. Does that mean he gets fired over one bad trade? No, not in my opinion. It's one of those things that when you look at the body of work, you have to you know, tip your, your cap to what he has done to this ball club since taking it over. Willie Adamas, Rowdy Tellez, even acquiring Josh Hader was a big deal in Adrian Hines. That was not a popular trade at the time. Like, wait, Carlos Gomez, he's gone? And look what that return was. Here's a, a quote. Apologies for the difficulties on my part. A quote earlier today from David Stearns about second-guessing things. Of course. I mean, whenever you get to the end of the season, you don't get to keep playing. I think it's natural to go back and look at specific games, specific circumstances, and, and, and look at instances where things could have gone differently, we could have done things differently. That's natural. I, I think that's part of the, that, that's part of the process of, at the conclusion of any season, um, and it becomes even more pronounced when uh, the season doesn't finish the way you would, um, you would have liked to finish. So I asked this question to you after hearing that. Let's say the Brewers... After trading Josh Hader and going through that funk they went through in August, let's say they did make the postseason. Now, I'm not, I'm not caring about results. I know a lot of folks felt they probably would have got swept by the Cardinals, which may or may not be true. Jose Quintana has been a really good pitcher for them as of late. He's starting game one tomorrow. Miles Michael has really handled the Brewers. But it's not about who you're facing or what kind of success you were going to have in the postseason. It's about if the Brewers flushed all of that and got themselves into the postseason, despite the clubhouse chemistry, as it was talked about over and over again, being off, would you be giving credit to Craig Council and to David Stearns while improving the team and still make the postseason, where you say, eh, World Series are bust, this team made the team worse, and that's a fair critique as well. This window is open, and a lot of Brewers fans want to get ominous. Oh, no, it's going to close. Look, Brandon Woodruff still under team control for two years. Corbin Burns still under team control for two more years. You got team friendly extensions for Aaron Ashby and Freddie Peralta. You still got Willie Adamas for two more years. You still got Rowdy Telez for two more years. You still got Hunter Renfro for one more year. There is still talent in the minor league system, too. It's not like you're totally tearing things down and going win now, trading the whole farm, and suddenly feel like you're not sustainable. The Brewers are very sustainable right now. So I want to hear from you as well. 855 616 1620. Again, 855 616 1620. Plenty more to come here on uh, our first Brewers Weekly of the Offseason here on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Just getting going here on Brewers Extra Innings, 855 616 1620, the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you want to participate in the show, got a few texts already rolling in here as well. You can call, you can text, you can tweet at Dom underscore Catronio. Talking about David Stern's comments this morning, being a stand-up guy and wearing it on the chin for what turns out to be maybe a mistake right now in the moment of trading Josh Hader. Maybe, just maybe, in the long game here, if you look three years down the road, and Robert Gasser is a main part of your rotation, and Este Uri Ruiz is maybe a starting left fielder or something like that. Two big leaguers out of it. 
see how much they're producing, how much they're performing. Just let the long game play out here now because it's easy to complain about it right now, and it's fair. It absolutely shook the clubhouse, and David Stern's admitted that. He did not expect it to break them as much as it did, but I uh, give him kudos for owning that mistake, in his words, for uh, the trade of Josh Hader. Get to the text line here as well. Did not expect Stearns to say what he did. I was impressed that he came up with that. Another texter coming in saying, give me a break. They didn't score any runs. Hader wouldn't have helped score runs. You're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. When it comes to the trade market, though, and I've said this, if you've listened to me long enough, I've said I was not a fan of the trade market as far as hitters go this, this year at the deadline. Trey Mancini, I thought, would have been a great fit. Then he would have platooned Rowdy Tellez. Maybe he wouldn't have fallen out of ga- ran out of gas there in late August, September. Righty for Mancini against lefties. And then Rowdy plays against righties. That could have worked out. But for the rest of the market, look, they were not going to get Juan Soto. They did not have the farm to get Juan Soto. They didn't want to give up the farm to get two years of Juan Soto. And I don't think Juan Soto was going to be the end-all, be-all answer. Yes, he draws a lot of walks, but I I still kind of look at the power and the doubles. I don't see him as a plus defender at all. He's a great player. I'm not trying to downplay Juan Soto, but I don't know if it was as much of a slam-dunk fit for the Brewers because I don't think they had the farm in order to trade and acquire him that the Nationals want. And two, he's not going to be this heaven-send as far as, oh my goodness, instant offense. He's a He draws a lot of walks. He'll pop a home run here and there. But he's not a guy that's, you know, spraying it all over the field. I bet a lot of Brewers fans would have been frustrated at some point of like, oh my gosh, how is he taking this many pitches? You know, he's he's so many more walks than the rest of baseball. It's actually kind of impressive, quite frankly. But you're right. I, I look at the rest of the, the trade, you know, market too. Josh Bell would have been great. But for a rental, is it worth it to give up a high-level prospect to the Nationals? Because the price... The price goes up when there's very few premier hitters available. And I don't know if y'all noticed how poorly Josh Bell and a lot of the other acquisitions performed in San Diego or even elsewhere in other cities. Mancini barely even played. He was more as an insurance pickup for the Astros after they lost Michael Brantley for the season. Then I also look at, oh, why didn't you go get Ian Happ or Wilson Contreras? For the Cubs to trade one of those guys in division... Again, the price was going to be exorbitant. Did you know the Cubs and Brewers haven't traded, I believe, in the note since 2004? It's kind of wild to think about. Yeah, you're not going to trade one of those guys within division. And Hap obviously had another year of control. Wilson Contreras is about to be a free agent. And what the Cubs are probably going to do is they're going to give him the qualifying offer and the, you know, the $18, $19 million, whatever it ends up being this year. So that way when he denies it, that they can get a draft pick compensation for it because playing the system crying poor and using the system in their advantage. Remember, the qualifying offer is something that the Players Association was trying to get rid of in the past CBA negotiations and was a big uh, pillar of the lockout and the owners not agreeing to it whatsoever, so they attached it to an international draft. Well, the international draft didn't come to fruition. So with the international draft not happening, draft pick compensation for a qualifying offer is back and it is in effect for this coming off season, so keep that in mind moving forward. Doug also texting and saying, "My reaction to Stearns: How could you not think it would affect it like it did? You trade a future Hall of Famer with a four-game lead, a leader, a great friend. It is not going to be forgotten overnight. Hopefully, he did learn something, like he says. I 
Doug, I appreciate the thought. When it comes to future Hall of Famer, let's be light with those words because we saw what happens when Josh Hader comes back down to earth. He's had a couple of great seasons. I'm not denying that. He's been the best closer in baseball up until this past July. Now Edwin Diaz probably has that crown right now. Let's let the dude play out his career. He's a great, great, great closer. He's a top three closer in baseball right now. And it is frustrating to see a guy like that leave. I absolutely agree. The Brewers do have to make tough decisions like this, as David Stern said. But this is one that maybe he would like to have back. Another texter. I'm disappointed it didn't make it in the postseason. Just threw my Brewer peanuts out from yesterday. But I super appreciate that Stearns owned it. That's another great text as well. And also, Yelly was very disappointing this year, and they have a lot of money on him. Is this the part where we talk about Christian Yelich? Look, Christian Yelich, the 2019 Christian Yelich isn't walking through the door right now. I don't know why that is. I don't think Christian Yelich knows why that is either. But it's been an odd collapse these last two and a half years, the half being 2020, as to why he hasn't been able to produce like he did before his fractured kneecap. Uh, I look at his trouble with getting to the inside pitch. Maybe there is something mental there with that foul ball off his knee in 2019. His slugging in 2019 was 11 or, or was 671. He led all of baseball in slugging in 2019. He had 44 homers in his 130 games and 1,100 OPS. He has not been above 800 in any season since 2019. And just so we have the record straight on his contract, he is signed through the 2028 season. He ain't going anywhere. And when you say, oh, trade Yellow, just dump the contract, get rid of him. Uh, that is a lot of money to get rid of for somebody to say, we want to pay you to not play, play for us. That's, that's pretty crazy. There is a mutual option in 2029, which, you know, at this rate, I don't think there's going to be anything mutual about it. $26 million a year. Six more guaranteed years. All the way through his age 36 season. And when to say he was a disappointment this year, I, I think is fair to on the edge of unfair because we finally saw improvement from him. I mean, 2020, everybody got a free pass because it was such an odd season. He still hit 12 homers in those 58 games, but yet 2021, he wasn't healthy. He only played 117 games, the fewest he's played in a full season since his rookie year. He only had nine homers. I mean, the slugging is just so odd to see it completely disappear. But this year... Tried to hone into the on-base percentage. He was an above-league average hitter by OPS+. Plus. He had a 111 OPS+, plus, which is 11 points better than average. But I get what you're saying. You're not paying a guy $26 million to be average. And a lot of folks are going to fall back to, oh, why well, it's the worst contract in baseball. Why did we do this? Think back to that day in 2020. The Brewers did it. They signed the superstar to an extension. That never happens. No one could have seen this happening. It's unfortunate, but he's going to be your leadoff hitter probably next year or your two-hole hitter. If he's going to be a really expensive leadoff hitter that has a flirting with 400 on-base percentage, draws a lot of walks, maybe steals 25 bags next season, if, if Yelich can become maybe a, a dark horse 2020 candidate because who knows if the home runs are ever going to come back because he had 14 homers this season, if he could be a dark horse 2020 candidate like he used to be, I mean, he had 
30 stolen bases in 2019. He had 22 stolen bases in 2018. And this year, he had 19. So he could be a 20-20 guy and with 14 homers. Maybe he can figure out what he needs to do with the power. 25 doubles, maybe, maybe we can get that above 30, closer to 40 for doubles for him. If he's going to be a line-drive guy and less launch. Would love to see an identity appear from Christian Yelich's approach at the plate moving forward. I do want to go over some team awards here in the next segment. Talk about things you might have forgotten about this season. We're going to talk team MVP. We're going to talk about team defender of the year. I'm going to hand out some hardware here. Coming up on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Season ended a lot earlier than the Brewers were expecting. But time to pick up the pieces and look ahead. We're going to have some way too early 2023 trade targets. I want to talk about that in this segment. But first, I want to hand out some hardware. I want to talk about the Brewers MVP, pitching MVP, bullpen MVP, yada, yada, all that fun stuff. I also want to talk about maybe some things you forgot about this season. So we're going to start with that. If you want to participate in the show, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. We'll be with you weekly throughout the offseason, every Thursday, right here at 8 o'clock, unless the Bucks are playing. So we'll be your Brewers fix throughout the offseason as we get. We're only 142 days away from spring training beginning. Only 142 days. I'm not counting. A little chillier out there, too. I think real fall is here now. We had that fake fall last week. I think real fall is actually here. Anyway, Brewers this season, 86 and 76. I want to talk about my team MVP. This one is no surprise. It's got to be Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas, for a little while there, put the team on his back in September. Then he got ice cold down the stretch. But the overall body of work, even in a down year, was still the player that you would want up in a clutch situation. He was still the guy you wanted up in like games on the line, or you need to get a big hit, or you needed somebody to make a great defensive play. Willie Adamas was that guy. He was eligible to play. He only missed those three weeks with his rolled ankle that he suffered in Miami. He played in every other game that he could have, aside from game 161. So he, he was eligible to play in 140 games this year that he wasn't on the injured list. He played 139 of them. That's commendable. And if he stays healthy next season, he's probably going to play all 162. There were only two guys this season, by the way, that played all 162. Dansby Swanson and Matt Olson, both Atlanta Braves. Those are the only two guys that played all 162 in baseball. But Willie Adamas is my team MVP this season. This season, 756 OPS, not great. 31 doubles, 31 homers, 98 runs batted in. Broke Robin Young's shortstop homer record. I think it's a pretty easy call. And even having a sub-300 on base, which is way below his standard. He had 337 on base last season and an 818 OPS. I'm really excited to see Willie Adamas take it on the chin and move forward for next season. Team starting pitcher of the year. Now, it would be easy for me to say Corbin Burns. And to be a good pick. Corbin made every start he was asked to. Crossed over 200 innings pitched. And I'm going to go against the grain. I need to give credit to what Brandon Woodruff did this season. Especially in the second half. 13-4 and record. A 3.05 ERA. He still nearly got himself qualified despite missing a month. He got 153 innings pitched. In the second half, really since 
coming off the injured list. He was one of the best pitchers in baseball. Nobody knew how he was going to react to the rainout syndrome and the ankle injury. Well, all he did to end the season was pure dominance. It was so fun to watch, especially the game against the Yankees. Eight innings, five hits, one run, just a solo homer, 10 strikeouts. He broke a Brewers record for most consecutive games with 10 or more strikeouts. That's incredible. Breaking a record held by Corbin Burns. Breaking a record held by Giovanni Gallardo. He won each of those four starts as well for the Brewers. He did get some run support down the stretch as well. In fact, the Brewers won each of the final five games that he started. He didn't get the win necessarily in all those five, but they won in each of the final five games. He turned in a quality start in all but one start in September, in October, if you included that. Seven total starts in September and October. Six of them were quality starts. Brandon Woodruff is my starting pitching MVP. My relief pitcher MVP, maybe easy to go to a closer like Devin Williams. Maybe easy to go to uh, somebody else. I'm going with Hobie Milner. Hobie Milner with the inherited runners this season, pitching in more games than he ever has before, figuring out how to get righties out. Think of it this way. He threw 64 and two-thirds innings this season. If you combine his entire career prior to this year, again, he threw 64 and two-thirds. Let's call it 65 innings this season. His entire career prior to this, he threw 77 innings from 2017 to 2021. Just 12 more innings in his entire career as opposed to this year. He faced 352 batters in his career prior to this year. He faced 272 this year. It was was such a new role for him because of the three-batter minimum rule. The inherited runners, it was absolutely incredible to see him come in and wiggle out of situations, get the Brewers out of jams. What a season for him. Only 14% of inherited runners. 37 total inherited runners. Just five scored. That's awesome. That is my reliever of the year. My defender of the year. It would be easy to say Willie Adamas. But no. It's Jace Peterson. And a texter, Mike, in Colorado agrees with me. There was no distinguishing MVP on this year's team, but the unsung hero player on base, Jace Peterson. Absolutely, Jace Peterson. He is up there as far as some of the advanced metrics as a third baseman defensively. He is in the breath, if he had played the whole season, if you extrapolate out, he'd be in the same breath as Nolan Arenado and Key Brian Hayes as far as defensive run save, defensive rating. But he obviously was injured, and he doesn't play third base every day. So that hurts his counting stats like those two. Jace Peterson at third base was such a calming presence. And we talked about last year how Luis Arias had trouble at short. They had to move him to third. They had to move him to second. I do want to give an honorable mention to Luis Arias this season because he got things back on track defensively. That was really encouraging to see because he's going to be a big piece of this team moving forward depending on what they do at second base and depending on what they do at third base. In total, last season, just to finish a thought on Luis, Weicho in 2021, he committed 23 errors between shortstop and third base. This year, at third base, he committed just 10. He had three errors at short in the few games he had to fill in for Willie Adamas. So from 23 to 13, that's a huge improvement for Weicho. Uh, and, and finally, for the Brewers, I just want to give a, a team recognition award to a guy trying to keep the guys together. 
Brent Suter. Watching Lorenzo Cain leave, you know, after reaching 10 years of service time and watching Josh Hader get traded, Brent Suter did everything he could to keep this team together. The longest tenured brewer, the ping pong table, the Papa shot, the Chippo. Brandon Woodruff mentioned it in his exit Prince conference saying, man, I wish we started doing that stuff sooner. That's all because of Brent Suter. So I want to give him a recognition as a team guy award for this season. Did you remember a couple of real quick things before we send it to break? A couple of things that you might have forgotten about this season. Chichi Gonzalez started the game for the Brewers. Yeah, Chichi Gonzalez. I, I, JC Mejia, remember him? He got popped for PEDs earlier in the season. Pedro Severino kind of stole the headlines of a guy getting popped for PEDs at the beginning of the year. Well, JC Mejia still did pitch for the Brewers. He is in the minor leagues. Alex Jackson. Played in five games for the Brewers in the very beginning of the year when uh, they had injuries, or I think it was COVID actually for Omar Narvaez and trying to give a breather for Victor Caratini. Also, this season, remember when uh, you may have forgotten because he was out west in Los Angeles, Pablo Reyes pitched in a game and he threw the slowest pitch ever recorded in the Brewers' Statcast era 38 miles an hour. <laughs> and he got it for a strike. It was awesome. Those are a couple of things that you may have forgotten about this season. There are some fun memories. A weird year nonetheless. The Brewers, 86 and 76. It's one thing to be disappointed about it. But don't lose sight of the fact that the Brewers and their manager are certainly disappointed by ending the season earlier than they did. And this is the quote from Craig Council after uh, the loss on Wednesday talking about you know, great expectations and what that brings. You've earned some expectations and, you know, with higher expectations comes a bigger chance of disappointment. That's that's the way we want it. We've got to live with that. That's the deal. We won 86 games. That's by no means a, not a, it's a, good, it's a pretty good number, but this year it wasn't good enough. But it, it's a good baseball team and, and they know that and I, and I told them that. But I think when, with expectations we have, it, it still feels disappointing. I think it's a fair take. That's a good thing, though, that the Brewers want to be better than just having a winning record and being happy with that. They want more than that. And so do you. And so do I. But it's not about us. The Brewers, obviously, are going to bounce back. I still think this core is intact and good to go for 2023. Maybe there's some improvements to be made. We're going to look around the league coming up next on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Looking around the league. Way too early trade targets and some awards for Cy Young MVP, according to me. I don't actually have a vote, but if I did, here's how I would do it. And your texts and calls, 855-616-1620. We're going to the top of the hour until 9 o'clock, so sit tight. Let's uh, chat about the Brewers and chat around uh, as Major League Baseball's playoffs start tomorrow. Wild card round for the first time ever. All four series will be starting tomorrow, starting off with Tampa Bay and Cleveland uh, to kick things off tomorrow. I believe it's at noon central time. I'm going to double check that here before the end of the show. But a couple of way too early trade targets for me. The Oakland A's are in a weird spot. They have a lot of young guys, but they also are not going to be competing anytime soon. And one of those young guys is Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy, three years of arbitration. 
He is a gold glove catcher, hit a ton of doubles this season, can hit some power. He's a great framer. He is the prototypical Brewers catcher. And here's the best part. He's right-handed. That means he's in the lineup against lefties. He hit 250, just shy of 20 homers, 34 doubles. That might have been part of his ballpark, of course, playing at the Coliseum. Sean Murphy should absolutely be a trade target for the Brew crew. I think that solves a lot of problems behind the plate. Because Omar Narvaez is probably going to walk. He's a free agent to be. You have one more year of Victor Caratini. But then you got Sean Murphy for the next three. So that could work out perfectly to make that move. But there's going to be a lot of suitors for Sean Murphy if the A's do decide to move him, which obviously would increase the price for a team that is tanking right now. Another trade target that I look around baseball and looking at, and maybe even in free agency or trade targets, uh, things of that nature. When I look at pitching and I look at relievers and I try to figure out what the heck is going on with Jake Diekman. Jake Diekman was traded this year from the Red Sox to the White Sox. He signed a two-year deal. So he signed through next year and he's got a team option for 2024. What are the White Sox going to do with him? Because... $3.5 million is certainly affordable for the Brewers. There's a $1 million buy-up they don't pick up in 2024. Are the White Sox willing to move a guy that they traded for if the Brewers can give them the right price? I think Jake Diekman is probably not going to move, but he's somebody that I'll be targeting because he's left-handed. He does have an ability to get righties out as well. He had an odd year. I think part of that has to do with the trades. He was really good with Oakland the last couple of years. There are some command issues there. A lot of walks last this last season. 42 walks in 57 innings. Strikeouts are there, though. 79 strikeouts in 57 innings. Keeps the ball in the yard. Lefties have a real tough time against him. I would at least pick up the phone. See what happens there. But the Brewers' bullpen next season, speaking of the bullpen, will have uh, somebody to look forward to in the World Baseball Classic. Devin Williams announcing today that he will be playing... For Team USA this March in the World Baseball Classic. I wonder if he's going to be the eighth or he's going to be a closer. Depends on what Josh Hader's going to do, I bet. So, Devin Williams, keep an eye out for him in the World Baseball Classic. That should be a lot of fun to watch. I love that event. And Team USA is really shaping up Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Mookie Betts in the outfield. Oh, by the way, you got Kyle Tucker and Cedric Mullins available in the outfield. Trey Turner, Bobby Witt Jr. at short, Trevor Story at second, Nolan Arenado at third, Pete Alonso at first. Woo. Catcher JT Real Muto also announced today. You also had Merrill Kelly announced as a starting pitcher. Dylan Tate had already been announced from the Orioles. I wonder how many arms they're going to be able to get for the World Baseball Classic. But as we look around the league, we're going to give out awards in the next segment. Just keeping you hanging. MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and Manager of the Year. Coming up next on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I poured over this imaginary ballot that I do not have. I don't have a vote in the ALNL MVP. I don't have a Baseball Writers Association card. I'm Dominic Catronio, but we're going to make our own votes anyway. This is the Brewers Weekly Writers Association of one, myself, my votes for the four major awards this season. Let me know who you picks are. 855-616-1620. Again, 855 616 
won 620. American League MVP. I have gone to bat for Shohei Otani for a long, long, long time. I am not letting us go numb to what he has done. Qualified as a hitter, qualified as a pitcher. He's in the top five in virtually everything as both a hitter and a pitcher. He has seen more plate appearances than anybody else. He has played in roughly over 1,000 plate appearances this season. Think about that for a second. He has pitched to 550 batters, and he has hit against 550 pitchers. 1,000 plate appearances. That is an amazing amount of games. And I say all that, and the only way you can knock off something like that is if you break an all-time record. And it broke probably one of the most famous ones in baseball. The American League home run record, Aaron Judge, nearly getting the American League triple crown, leading the world and everything else. I'm fascinated to see how many first-place votes Shohei Otani is going to get. But I think Aaron Judge is going to be the American League MVP. Jordan Alvarez should be third, and if he's not third, that's something crazy. Uh, I hope Mike Trout gets top five, though. He had 40 bombs this year, and he was hurt for a little bit. Hope the Angels can figure things out. NL MVP. This one's really tight. Paul Goldschmidt had a weird second half, really slowed down down the end. Nolan Arenado was consistent all season long. Manny Machado. Remember, he had a rolled ankle. His numbers suffered because of it. Then he got back on track. I think that's going to be the top three. And yet, we've gone numb to what Mookie is doing in Los Angeles and what Austin Riley... Austin Riley really slowed down in the second half. I still go with Goldie for my NL MVP. American League Cy Young and National League Cy Young are no doubters at this point. Justin Verlander in the American League. Sandy Alcantara in the National League. Alcantara should be unanimous, guys. Unanimous. That's the best pitcher this year, without a doubt. I don't think Burns is going to finish top five, though. I think, I wonder how high Zach Gallon is going to be. I wonder how high uh, Tyler Anderson is going to be. Guys that by the numbers absolutely pitched well, but is it going to be enough to thwart the Freeds and the Oreas and the Nolas to get into the top five? In the AL, is it going to be Manoa second or is it going to be C second? I think that's a, a really interesting uh, debate coming in down the stretch. Rookie of the year. Whew, this was tough in the National League. I mean, it's a coin flip between Spencer Strider and Michael Harris, both on the Braves, of course. My third vote, though, goes to Nick Lodolo after seeing what he did to the Brewers this season. I think he's going to be a star. He's got ace potential. Him and Hunter Green could be a really interesting one-two punch. Oh, by the way, Graham Ashcraft there in Cincinnati. I think Nick Lodolo deserves all the praise for what he was able to do here in the second half. In the American League, I'm going with Julio Rodriguez, but not ignoring what Adley Rutschman did. The Orioles changed when Adley Rutschman arrived. That was That's a great race, too. Probably Bobby Witt Jr. is third as well. 30 stolen bases, 20 homers. Heck of a year for him. NL Manager of the Year. This was tough. It was Buck Showalter, but then they lost to the division. So I'm going to go with Brian Snitker. Buck going second. And then I got Ollie Marmol third. Rookie manager getting to the postseason. That's worth something. AL Manager of the Year. It's got to be Tito. It's got to be Terry Francona. No one expected them to have 92 wins this season. It's got to be Terry Francona. I will throw a riot if it's not Terry Francona. Dusty will be second. Kevin Cash will be third, in my opinion. That's my awards. Judge and Goldschmidt, MVPs. Verlander and Alcantara, Cy Youngs. Julio Rodriguez, Spencer Strider, Rookies of the Year. 
And Terry Francona and Brian Snicker are my managers of the year. Agree? Disagree? Let me know. Got a few more minutes left here on the show. 855-616-1620. Playoff predictions up next. We're going to give you the schedule for tomorrow. Coming up as our final break on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. All right, final few moments here on Brewers Weekly. Again, we're with you every single Thursday down the stretch of this offseason. Hang with us. You can listen to it on the podcast as well on 620WTMJ.com as soon as we wrap things up. I'm Dominic Catronio. Tomorrow, playoffs begin. Obviously, the Brewers are not in it, but here is your rundown for the wild card weekend, the first of its kind. Rays and Guardians in Cleveland. Shane McClanahan against Shane Bieber. That's an 11.07 first pitch on ESPN from Progressive Field. At 1.07, the Cardinals will be hosting the Phillies. Zach Wheeler against Jose Quintana. That game will be on ABC. Then at 3.07 on ESPN, it'll be the Mariners north of the border in Toronto. That is the game of the day, in my opinion. Luis Castillo versus Alec Manoa. Sign me up. And then the nightcap will be prime time, of course, 7.07 Central Time, the Padres and the Mets. That'll be you, Darvish, against Max Scherzer. And the Mets are even hinting that the mayor may not use Jacob DeGrom in Game 2 on Saturday. They may be saving him for, if an if necessary, Game 3, or Game 1 against the Dodgers. And Doug texting in saying, I think the Padres are a sleeper team in the playoffs. That lineup is dangerous. Three good starters being... Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove. And Hader in the bullpen. If they get by the first round of the Mets, they're slumping. They can get even more dangerous. But remember, that will match up with the Dodgers, the number one seed overall. Uh, I don't like anyone's chances, either one of those teams against the Dodgers. I think the only chance is if DeGrom starts game one against the Dodgers is the only way the Mets are even to win a series. I think... Los Angeles is too, too strong. That offense is scary. And I, I don't see a chance for San Diego getting by Los Angeles if they were to move on. Something crazy would have to happen uh, for the Padres to move on, in my opinion. In my bracket in yesterday's Final Brewers Extra Innings, I chose uh, the Astros to win it all. So that's my pick. I'm Dominic Catronio. That's it. Until next time, keep on swinging.